Hey there, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. My name is Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm your host, and I'm so glad that you're tuning in today. I'm guessing if you're tuning in that maybe you are for a couple of reasons. The title of this episode spoke to you in one way or another. Maybe you're postpartum and you're struggling and you're wondering, is this postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression? I'm struggling maybe with sleep or with breastfeeding and I don't want to suffer anymore. I want to figure out what to do here. And finding this episode and tuning in felt like a first step. Maybe you are expecting and you want to be proactive about your mental health. Or maybe you're tuning in because there's someone that you love that's struggling and you want to find a way to support them. And maybe figure out if sending them this recording could be a way to support them. Whatever the case might be, I'm so glad you're tuning in because in today's episode, I'm sitting down with a mom who was there. Jasmine, Dr. Jasmine, is a mom to one. She experienced postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety pretty severely. And she's on the other side and she's here to share her story and also to share what she would do if she could go back in time and support herself as she was in the throes of postpartum depression and anxiety, struggling with sleep deprivation, not only because she had a newborn who wasn't sleeping through the night, but also because she had insomnia. She was really struggling to sleep even when the baby was sleeping. We also talk about the challenges for her related to breastfeeding and making the decision to switch to formula, but then the impact that weaning had on her mental health. Oh, we're talking about all the things. We're talking about fertility and infertility and the impact that that can have on postpartum depression and anxiety when you've been waiting to have this child and you've put so much into having this child and now you're struggling and what the impact of that can be, as well as the decision to have more children after you've experienced postpartum depression and anxiety. She's also a pharmacist and we're talking about her decision to take medication and some of the things that showed up for her around that decision. I'm so glad you're here listening to this conversation, so let's get to it. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a mom to three and licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm really glad that you took the time to hold space for you by tuning in to today's episode. My hope with this podcast is to share conversations with experts from around the world and parents who've been through it so that maybe you feel a little less alone in your experiences and the messy side of being a parent and being a human and so that you can walk away with supportive steps for what to do next. Listening to this episode is not a substitute for seeking support from a professional in your area. I believe that holding space and offering presence to both ourselves and others is truly one of the most meaningful ways that we can express care. And you are so deserving of that care. All right, are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello, Dr. Jasmine. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to connect with you today and get a chance to learn more about 
your story and and also your work. Um, but I will share just for the listener, like I, I initially found you on Instagram as I as I make <laughs> my connections these days, it seems. And how I found you was Postpartum Support International, which is an incredible resource for um, folks who are postpartum. I, they had re- reshared a reel that you had created. Um, and I clicked on it because it just really resonated and then landed on your page and saw that you are someone who, has ex- who had an experience with postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety and you were sharing bits and pieces of your story. And I was really captured by your willingness to, sh- to share your story and to you know try to share parts of your story so that others would feel less alone. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta sit down with this mom, with this woman and learn more about her. And so thank you so much for taking the time um, here, but also all that you share um, with others, you know, through social media. I'm so glad that, that you do, because that was how I found you and how we got connected. Well, well, thank you, Dr. Cassidy. Um, it's, it's a real honor and, and pleasure to be here. And um, kind of hearing you say, you know, how you resonate with um, some of the things I've written or shared, that's really nice and huge to hear because it's, it's a place, it comes from a place of like vulnerability and honesty, but I'm hoping it does help um, somebody else because um, it's hard to feel like you're going through all that alone. Um, mm. So that's, that's my, my goal here. Yeah. yeah. And I imagine, I imagine that like when you were in, in the trenches of um, postpartum and navigating the struggles that you were experiencing during that time, I imagine it would have been really hard if someone came in if or if like present day you went back to like past you and was like, one day, like you're going to be supporting others just by sharing your story. I'm sure in the moment you would have been like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm just trying yeah. to survive here. But it's um, if it feels right at some point to connect, whether it's in a uh, you know, a big way, a small way, an intimate way to, you know, make meaning of your story, of your experience by connecting with others. I think it can be such a meaningful part of the healing process, actually. I don't know if you can can relate yeah, to that. I, I totally agree. And and you've totally hit it on the nail. When, when I was kind of in that darkest part, it was, I mean, it depression is one of those things where it feels so hard to kind of move forward even just hour by hour. Um, that's oh. that's what it felt like for me at least. And, exactly it. Yeah. And and so thinking that, you know, I could be on the other side to mm. encourage another mom through it, that just never in my head felt like it could be something that, that could manifest. But I did think, you know, if and when I could ever make it through this, um, that I would have to pay it forward because you know, mm. this is one of the hardest things I feel like I've ever had to overcome. Um, and there were so many things that I felt like along the way could have made it better. Um, and, and I wanted mm. to be able to help out another mom if even just one, you know, even if the story would just resonate with one mom I, and, and help her through, I think that would have been worth it. Um, so I think oh. our stories are really important to share. Um, and, uh, and that's why I do it. Yeah. 
And so with that, with that in mind, for that one listener, truly that one listener, if you're tuning in today, I'm so glad that you're here with us. And Dr. Jasmine, I'd love to give you an opportunity to, we kind of dived in, kind of dove in, but I'd love sure. for you to share um, a little bit just about who you are um, first, and then share with us a little bit why this is something you're so passionate about. Um, and through that, I, I would love to hear I would love to hear about your story. Yeah, thanks. Um, so hi, everyone. Um, again, I'm, I'm Jasmine, and I'm a mom to one beautiful little girl. Um, I'm a California native, so I've grown up here and lived all over the state, probably never leaving here. Um, my <laughs> parents are originally from Taiwan, though. And I do have a doctorate degree in pharmacy. I um, mm -hmm. practice, it's actually, I think it's been 10 years this year. So it's wow. kind of crazy how fast time flies. Um, I practice mainly ambulatory care pharmacy. So it's just kind of a fancy way of saying that um, I help manage um, and adjust medications for patients who have chronic conditions um, mm -hmm. in the outpatient setting. So I'm sort of like an extension of their primary care doctor, and I kind of dive deeper into like the medications and how to change the doses yeah. and, you know, find find ones that work for them and, and, and fit better um, because medications are not kind of one size fits all. And um, I think I'm so passionate about maternal mental health because, you know, even though I work in healthcare, I was really blindsided um, going into pregnancy and postpartum. And I, I felt like I was very naive thinking that I could never get postpartum depression. You know, mm -hmm. I, I heard about it, knew about it, but just thought, you know, I don't have a history. I have so much support in my life. You know, I just didn't feel like I, I had risk factors. Um, mm -hmm. But after the baby came, I got hit with a very severe uh, postpartum depression and anxiety. And making it through that was you know, as I mentioned, probably one of the hardest things I've, I've ever done. And yeah. so, you know, I told myself that I would one day find some way to pay it forward if I could make it through this. Um, and actually, I did volunteer with Postpartum Support International for a mm -hmm. while, um, PSI. I was one of uh, their first groups of peer mentors. Um, and I, uh, you basically mentor another mom that's going through um, currently the postpartum depression after you've recovered. Um, so it, it was a great, um, you're their one-on-one -on -one kind of support. And I really wholeheartedly support PSI's um, fantastic resources, not just for moms, but they have stuff for like dads, moms-to-be, you know, all, yes. all, all kinds of people, which is really great. Pregnancy loss or infant yes. loss, they have yes. so, they have so much there. And I, I, I'm so grateful that you're sharing that because I, all the time. And I'm like, okay, people need a resource. They're looking for a therapist or, you know, I'm like Postpartum yeah. Support International. It's a international directory. It's amazing. And what I really appreciate about what you just did there is you brought it to life. You humanized it, right? I think yeah. that Postpartum Support International, it's just PSI. It just sounds mm -hmm. like this big entity, you know, that like, okay, yes, like, like you can hear it has a directory, but even that's like, Ugh, like that's really what, what, I, what it come down what it's come down to. I need a directory to find where I'm going to go. What right. I think you yeah. really just did is you humanized this like entity as you were someone who experienced um, postpartum depression and anxiety, and then part of your part of your healing was actually becoming a peer mentor, and that that's that that's available. That's an option. That like 
whether whether you're in it in the trenches or you're on the other side of it, right? right. Um, that there are that you just you just really humanized this thing that I'm always talking about in terms of the resource. <laughs> so, I'm so grateful. Yeah. Thank you. And you, you know, I um, on the other side of it, when I was um, going through my own uh, depression, my sister actually, um, you know, she knew I wasn't going through a good time and she was trying to help me. And, and actually the first thing she found was PSI, like when she did a Google search. So she's like, you know, she's trying to be really gentle with me and said, yeah. why don't you check this out? It looks like they have some great free resources. Um, and so I had known about it, but I didn't have the energy or will to sort of look mm. or do it um and and the idea of like a support group just really to me was like I feel so ashamed of myself already I can't imagine wow. anyone looking in on this and wow. talking to anyone else about this um but I think that's also the real lie of, of depression is that you know it makes you feel like no one else could possibly understand what you're going through and it isolates you. So just to hear like a me too, like this happened to me too, everything you're saying makes sense. I think that can really be so powerful. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I, and with that in mind, I, I, if you're willing, I'd love to hear, you know, the parts of your story that you're, that you're ready to share of what that looked like for you. Like on a like, visceral like day-to-day level like I think that you you already have kind of pinpointed so much of what depression can really feel like and Mm -hmm. like that like just like that you don't even have the energy or the will to like get up out of bed to take a shower to look on this website for support there's the whisper of shame that can come with depression that whispers there's something just really wrong with you so don't mm-hmm. don't let anyone in to see this which then can yeah. keep us from yeah. getting that support but i'd love to hear um from you what that kind of looked like on a day-to-day basis for you like that the visceral like experience yeah. and and also how did how did depression hold hands with anxiety for you how did those how did those dance together? Yeah. So um, backtracking a little, like what really I felt was the, the main source or things that kicked off my depression and anxiety yeah. was um, breastfeeding, first of all, was mm-hmm. very difficult for me. Um, yeah. And I think going into trying to make that work out, um, you know, it, it creates a lot of anxiety already as it is to worry about, am I doing this right? And why isn't it working? You know, I'm trying all these things. Um, is, is it going to hurt my baby if I don't do it a certain way? If, mm-hmm. if I let her take a bottle, is she not going to want to breastfeed? You know, you worry about all these things that, um, and I think that starts to spiral a little bit um, when it becomes to the point that it kind of prevents you from doing anything else. So um, I think that led, those anxieties led me to start to have problems sleeping. Um, You're already sleep deprived. I started getting insomnia on top of that. So it's really hard being so exhausted and then not falling asleep because you just have all these thoughts racing through your head. Um, So for me, like, I I think the anxiety may have come on first um, Mm -hmm. because I was Mm -hmm. constantly worrying, like, oh my gosh, when's the next time I have to feed? Is she still breathing? You know, like those, and and I think a lot of those are actually common mom anxieties and worries. Um, Mm -hmm. But if it escalates or gets to a point that um, you 
you don't have a real grip on doing anything else but worry, I think that's when it starts becoming dangerous. Um, so, so for me, so true. yeah, yeah. So, so that's what happened for me, I think. And w- once the anxiety started to take over, um, then it became, you know, oh my gosh, am I doing this right? Am I not? Um, why can't I fall asleep? And she's going to wake up soon. And if I don't sleep now, then I'm screwed, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. and, uh, I think the anxiety slowly led to depression where it became, I was just like, this is my life now. I can't believe that every day, you know, every two hours we redo this whole cycle all over again. And I think being a person, I mean, a lot of pharmacists, I want to say are very type A, um, they, mm-hmm. they like a certain order, you know, mm-hmm. they, they want to have everything in control and you want a pharmacist that's very detail oriented like that, like that like structure. And, you know, you want to make sure everything is, is correct. Um, because if we don't, we might hurt someone, right? That's, that's our job. Yeah. We're supposed to catch all these errors and, and prevent bad things from happening. So I think that plays a role into part of my personality and, um, yeah, it got to the point that, you know, I started feeling like, I, I think thinking like, wow, there's no light at this end, at the end of this tunnel. Like this is just going to keep going on and on. And that made me feel very hopeless. Um, yeah. And then I think that depression morphed into, like you mentioned, um, it would be really hard to get out of bed. Um, I'd, I'd feel like, I'd feel like it was so hard even just to get from the bed to the couch, like that journey from, from, from walking from the bed, even to the couch, just to lay down all over again, felt like it took so much energy out of me somehow. Um, you know, like when you have a flu and you feel like you can't Uh get up or anything, kind of felt like that. Um, and, and I remember like my sister coming over, like, I think you just need to get out of the house. Like you just need to go out, get some fresh air, walk a little bit. And she's like, well, you take a walk with me, just even around the block. And so I was like, okay, let me try. And um, we have a few flights of steps in the house. And I just remember getting to that last flight of steps. I could see the front door at the end of the steps. And she was walking in front of me. And I literally just sat down and started bursting into Mm -hmm. tears because I was like, I I can't, I can't make it out the door. Like I can't, I can't get up from this spot. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I think she was like, okay, this is bad. <laughs> like yeah. seeing that. Yeah. Um, so I think those are kind of ways yeah. you can, you know, day to day sort of little things um, yeah. about the depression that, that I, th- I think some people actually feel like I see myself doing that. I see, I see myself in that position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I so, I can't even tell you how much I appreciate Again, again, I, I'm just keep repeating myself how grateful I am that you're <laughs> you're you're in the space also that you got the support and the healing and you're in the, and then and then the choice to share these parts of your story because so much of what you named here I think we would see in like a here's a list of symptoms of depression or right. anxiety um, and it's like it's in black or white and it's like just you know hopelessness, you know, um, uh, psychomotor agitation, which is oh, like yeah. literally like, <laughs> right. heavy, like heaviness of like walking and like that, that movement, right. just that slow, that slow movement and that difficulty, that the energy, the, the sleep, like changes in sleep. Um, yeah. 
you and named nothing, so many of these things. Yeah, how just, yeah. I think a big word is anhedonia, you know, in diagnoses. Yeah. I, I finally understood what anhedonia meant because absolutely nothing felt pleasurable. I would be staring yeah. at like a, a TV screen of like probably one of my favorite TV shows, you know, trying to catch up. And it would just literally like, I feel like it would just go way past me. I would just kind of glaze yeah. over and I'm like, what did I just mm-hmm. watch? And my husband would be like, so what do you want to watch next? And I'm like, I don't know. You choose like nothing, nothing appeals yeah. to me. Food yeah. doesn't appeal, nothing. Like, and it was just yep. this weird emptiness, which is kind of scary. Oh. Actually, I almost felt like I'd oh. rather felt, feel some sort of something, even pain better than like nothingness. That's exactly what clients have have shared with me and expressed that it just feels like emptiness, and they would almost rather experience like have pain. Right. Um, and I think a lot of times, um, well, before before I before I jump into that, did you? Because you know, a lot of times what we hear, what we think about with postpartum depression is like, oh, um, the mom is suicidal, thoughts of harming herself or harming harming her child, and that can absolutely be a symptom. But I think that a lot of times what we see in the news, what we read about, um, the stories that we hear, that becomes like the highlighted like symptom or or mm-hmm. thing that was experienced. Yeah. Um, or thoughts, and and so then when a, there could be a, a mom who's or a birth person or parent because dads can get PPD too, um, or the non-birthing partner can get it too, that they think, well, I don't really feel like killing myself or hurting my child, and so it must not be depression. Um, and I, I, you know, that doesn't need to be present for it to absolutely. Right be postpartum depression. And I I think that you're right, that the media wants to highlight and sensationalize like the worst possible sort of outcome scenario. So then moms might feel like, well, then I don't really actually need help, right? Um, I will have to say my my symptoms were severe. Like I I did have thoughts. Um, But just because you don't have thoughts, it doesn't mean that you don't need help or that you can, that you can't get help and you can't get better. Um, I, I definitely had intrusive thoughts and, and those are kind of scary and, and the most severe, but oh, yeah. you know, I, I always say, you know, every, everyone's constellation of symptoms are not the same. It's going to look different yeah. for everyone. Um, and just because, you know, you didn't suffer the hardest, it doesn't mean your feelings mm-hmm. aren't valid. It doesn't mean you can't get help or get better. And you don't have to yeah. suffer that way. Right, exactly. And also, Jasmine, thank you for sharing that that was something that you experienced. Because I think a lot of times it's, gosh, I, and, and I don't, I don't blame them for this, but like, I also know moms who, um, or folks who experienced postpartum depression, who just aren't ready to even name that for themselves either as being part of their story. Um, and I want the listener that one listener who's listening, who's like, I am having intrusive thoughts, right? And to hear you be able to say, hey, I was experiencing these things. It was severe and I got help and now I can talk about it in this way. I think that just that is so is so powerful. So, so much of what you shared, I think is important to kind of highlight. The first piece being around breastfeeding. Yeah. Um, it sounds like for you, you're able to name and acknowledge that that was a big trigger for you. And it, it makes so much sense. (laughs) Um, this is breastfeeding is, it was one of the hardest things 
that I ever experienced. And it was something that I absolutely had the belief around that was supposed to be natural. And Mm -hmm. like, if I can't figure this out, like this one, this first thing in becoming a mom and like feeding my child, it felt like it defined me. Like in in such a vulnerable time, like you're you're recovering from birth and you're Mm -hmm. trying to figure out this thing that you've never done before with a baby who yeah, has some like reflexes, but like also no life experience. Um, And it's, and then the pressure, the pressure like is, um, and then the, the components around isolation that it can lead to because you're living your life in these like two hour increments and struggling to feed your child. And then the idea of going out in the world while navigating (laughs) that, well, like, I mean, no, like, and so then you have a parent who's staying home and isolating and isolated in that way, mm-hmm. struggling, feeling the pressure. Um, my gosh, right now, um, you know, it's June 2022, and there's a formula shortage. It's like, like what? Yeah. Like, so I'd love to hear a little bit more about that that piece for you um, and the pressure around breastfeeding when you're struggling um, and then the decisions around supplementing it or switching to formula. What was that like for you? Hey there. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far and we're going to get right back to it in a moment. Did you know that my private practice is completely virtual? If you've considered taking a step to get more personalized support through therapy, and if you're a resident of California, I would love for you to click the link in the show notes to learn more about my private practice. Our group practice offers individual and couples therapy to those who are navigating everything from fertility, pregnancy, postpartum, and beyond. So whether you find yourself struggling with relationship challenges, anxiety, or you're wanting to process a loss, trauma, maybe you're struggling with depression or just not feeling like yourself, we'd love to offer you support. Are you ready to get in touch? Click that link in the show notes and you'll find the practice website and also a place for you to reach out to me directly. All right, let's get back to the episode. Yeah. Um, You know, I think... um, because I um, focus so hard on the pregnancy and the delivery part. Like to me, in my head, I always thought the hardest part would be that childbirth part. Like when they, when you push them out, like it just seems like, you know, people highlight how, how painful, how difficult, how scary yeah. that is. Well, that's so, all the classes you take is the birth right? class. Yeah. You're like, that's <laughs> what you're focused on. You're like, okay, just please make this part go well. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, and the breastfeeding part, of course, you're like, oh, well, yes, I'm going to do it. Um, and I'm going to do it for a year. Like they recommend, you know, no big deal. I will figure it out because I just have mm-hmm. to get this baby out of me first and then it should come. It's supposed to be natural women have been doing this for eons I'll figure it out right so I think um, I think that I was a little bit underprepared for the breastfeeding portion and just didn't really realize how difficult it was Um, also you know didn't realize how much my life would be tied to my boobs and literally this thing that I've never (laughs) really like placed importance on too much is now the center of my, my child and my universe. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and if you're not breastfeeding, if you're, then maybe you're pumping and then you're cleaning things. And so for us, you know, it was difficult. It was difficult to get a latch. I had mastitis within two weeks. Um, you know, and I just felt like we were constantly at the doctors. Um, I was constantly seeing lactation consultants. Um, at first it was like, you know, the milk didn't come in. And then I felt like when it came in, it was almost too much, which probably led to the mastitis, um, because I was engorged and I was like, what is this? You know, it's just so much to learn. Um, and on top of that, you're not sleeping, of course. So, um, you know, I, I, and I think there was also this pressure for me. Like we, I was so scared that like she would get attached to a bottle and wouldn't want to nurse that we did, you know, the syringe feeding where you put like your yeah. pinky on the little tube yes. and you push it through the, yeah, you pump it, then you push it through the, the syringe. Right. <laughs> we did that for like weeks and my, oh my, my poor gosh. husband like bought all these extra syringes and like tubes so we could just toss them. Cause he's like, Oh, let's just not worry about washing them because then you're worried about, Oh my gosh, is this going to be sterile or clean for the baby? And I felt like that was just so much pressure even on that part. Um, yeah. and I feel like they don't teach you how to pump. Like, I, I feel like people don't teach you no. re- and you hear different, you hear different things, right? Different lactation consultants will tell you how to pump in a certain way. Do I pump for five minutes or 10 minutes or 15 or 20, you know, or people are like power pump, power pump to increase your supply. And I'm like, I don't know. Why is there no like standard manual on how yeah. to do this? <laughs> and you're trying fl- to figure all that out while you're yes. sleep deprived. Like, yeah. you know, and and yeah, and like you had said for your for your experience, like it contributed to anxiety, right? Yes. And like definitely. makes so much sense. Like what what is anxiety? Like at its core, anxiety is something we're all wired for and it's there to let us know what some threats are, right? And it turns on that like, you know, fight or flight, freeze, fawn response in our bodies, that stress response, yeah. um, to help us stay safe. But you know, in this situation, you know, the threat is your child not like getting fed, right? Yeah, Which is exactly. like, it's like, that is that, that, of course, that's going, like, that's going to translate into your, your body and your brain as like life or death. And so there's right. that, you're, you're, you're a, you become a food source. You have right. the stress yeah. of trying to feed out, figure out how you're going to get your child fed. Um, but then this like nasty cycle of the, um, intrusive thoughts, which at, you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, like after birth, having an increase in intrusive or scary thoughts is actually very common yeah. when it yeah. slips into, um, an anxiety, more of like an anxiety diagnosis mm-hmm. is when like it starts to impact functioning. But like, even like, so there are many, many parents will experience intrusive thoughts postpartum because actually they've done research and found that our brain after birth um, actually looks more like someone who has OCD's brain. And I think wow. that the the hypothesis here is that from like an evolutionary perspective, you know, our ancestors, you know, had to keep their their vulnerable young newborns safe. Right. So the ones who did were the ones that were more on guard and kind sense. of predicted the like bad things that could happen or the threats. Yeah. And so we have this like increase in intrusive thoughts 
um, more so than you may you might usually have um, when you're when you have a newborn after you've given birth. Um, but then when it starts to slip into impacting functioning, that's when we start to say, okay, um, this might fall under a more diagnosable anxiety disorder. But I just right. want the listener to know, yeah. even if you're like, well, it doesn't really impact my functioning, but it's like distressing to me, you mm-hmm. still deserve support. Like there right. are still things that can be done to support you if these intrusive thoughts are disturbing and distressing to you. Um, totally. But yeah, it's going to impact then sleep. and what we know about sleep is that like we we lit we need it like we physio yes. we physiologically like need sleep if we don't yes. get sleep like sleep deprivation you're i mean regardless of um anxiety like your your sleep's going to be broken because you have um yep. disrupted because you, you have a newborn but then right. toss in right. anxiety and insomnia as you mentioned yeah. now even when your baby is sleeping you're not you able to sleep and yeah that the impact that that can have absolutely huge risk factor for um, postpartum depression um, because right. our brain needs that restorative rest, our bodies need that restorative rest, and yeah. when we don't get it, um, a huge risk factor for so many things impacts our relationships, impacts our mood, um, yep. impacts our functioning, and so oh, you just you I, named I think, so many things here. Yeah, and I think part of it with um, I got to a point that I actually said, okay, I think, you know, I, I was sort of starting to self-diagnose. Like I, I'm pretty sure I have it. I, like, you know, how severe it was, I didn't really want to admit it, but I, I was trying to problem solve. And I, and I would say, you know, what do I think is causing me to be this anxious? And, you know, may, maybe it's the breastfeeding, you know, and I was able to admit mm-hmm. it to myself that I think this is really impacting my mental health. So, um, I, I think, uh, you know, I was, um, I got to the point I was, um, I was feeding on one side, um, one side was kind of damaged. So I, I ended up having to pump the other side to empty Mm -hmm. out. And then I got to a point, I think I was so anxious that when I went to go pump, nothing would come out. Like I would be pumping for half an hour straight Mm -hmm. and like staring at it, waiting for the letdown, waiting for like, you know, to finally start filling and nothing would come out. I felt like now my brain is like thinking the worst, like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? I can't even pump. Um, you know, I, I need to mm-hmm. stop doing this because what if I can't empty my breasts? I'm going to have yeah. mastitis all over again. Um, and, and what do they do in that situation when you actually cannot empty your breasts and your baby can't nurse? Um, so I told the lactation consultant, I was like, I want to stop. I need to stop. And, and luckily mm-hmm. I was met with real kindness and support and no pressure yeah. at all, which is a godsend. Yeah. You know, you, 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 I, I could not have asked for a better response. Um, at the same time, I think choosing to stop breastfeeding cold turkey is not a great idea um, because I think there's another huge drop in your hormones right away. Yeah. And, and some women will say when they stop nursing, that's when their depression sets in, right? Because you, that hormone drop it again. Is a <laughs> right. Oh so, you know, you're like, you're like, you know, already crashing from the, the postpartum after delivery. And for me, it was a little over a month in, I stopped breastfeeding right away, like cold turkey. And, and I think that was another huge drop that was not helpful. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and then that vicious cycle of, oh gosh, well, I just, I just quit for nothing because that didn't fix anything. It actually made it worse. Mm -hmm. And and for me, I felt guilty 
really guilty for like stopping and thinking should I have tried more should I have tried harder oh. like it just felt like a waste that I quit and like this is still going mm. on I didn't solve the problem so um uh, you know mm. I'm very grateful that we were able to use formula and that you know, I just can't imagine the, pa- the the parents now who who are going through this shortage, because formula saved us. Um, e- even as mm-hmm. bad as I felt at that time, when I look back now, I'm like, thank goodness we had another option. Yeah. So I want to kind of go back to some of these like risk factors and kind of like key points in your in your experience where you're like this this was contributing, or like then things got worse. You know. Yeah. And to kind of go back and with you, like if you could go back to like past you, right, with like present days, use like awareness and compassion and like knowledge and all the ways in which you've supported other other um, other parents, like what you'd go back and say, you know. So okay, so let's go back to, you know, the 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 part in you know your experience where you're not getting any sleep. Um, yes. Oh my gosh. I, I want to know like what you'd go back and say to yourself then in terms of like the role that sleep had and, and what, what steps you could take to get restorative rest. And the other piece is around the breastfeeding um, and, and, and choice to, to stop right. and formula feed, like what you'd go back and tell yourself so that the listener who's listening that's like in it is like, okay, I'm right there with you. Like I'm not sleeping when the baby's sleeping. Like I am considering stopping breastfeeding because I know it's contributing to my depression. And just for the listener to know, like your child needs you healthy way more than they need a drop of your breast milk. Like they need you and like you matter in all of this too. Um, and so what would you go back and tell yourself in these different moments of like, yeah. oh, you're, 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 you're really struggling here and, and here's, here's what I want to offer you. Like if you could go back yeah. in time. That's a great way of saying it. Um, and I have actually been sort of thinking about some of these topics because um, I've been thinking about, do I even want to, to have another child? And if I mm-hmm. do, I have to reconsider all these things again. What would I do differently the next yeah. time maybe to, to maybe not um, have this happen. Um, sleep is huge. That's my biggest priority would probably be the sleep. And if I could kind of go back, um, what we ended up doing with my sleep was my husband actually had me sleep by myself in um, our bedroom mm-hmm. and he slept yeah. with my daughter in the nursery. Yes. And thank yes. God, you know, thank God he did that. Um, this, the hard part for me was even as he did that, it still took me a really long time to be able to confidently like fall asleep. Like, and I think for me, um, part of that, um, that difficulty in getting the sleep, even though I was allowed time to sleep, I was allowed sufficient time and um, the space to do it. I, I still felt guilty. Like, um, I was like, I'm getting all this time and support to try to sleep and work on my own. Um, and yet I cannot do it. And that to me was just like, what's wrong with me? And I am not, I felt like I was not a good mom because, you know, I wasn't there for the nighttime with the baby. And, I think what I would do if any mom is out there trying this, um, or even just a child past me, I think I would tell her 
it's okay to work on yourself. It's okay mm. to to let people take care of you. And mm. if you are given that opportunity and space, go ahead and take the rest. You know, do not mm-hmm. feel like because, like you said, you know, you need to be well for your baby to to grow up well, right? So if you're not getting mm-hmm. that rest and you're not sleeping. That's the part you're working on, okay? This, this, you are doing your job. You are doing you are a good job as being job. a good mom by by getting mm. your rest. Um, this is a book. Um, I I don't know if you know this one. It's called Why We Sleep by um, Matthew Walker. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. This is a really good book. My therapist actually recommended this to me after when we were working on, you know, all the sleep yeah. stuff and anxiety stuff. I may not recommend it for someone who's like currently going through a lot of sleep anxiety, but I think for like understanding why the sleep is so important and like just part of like the physiological need for it. Um, for yeah. me, I think uncovering like why I unraveled due to the sleep deprivation by reading this book was really helpful to me to know that, okay, like I, I wasn't really like, I was going crazy because I was sleep deprived and and this is a real scientific thing. This is a scientific thing. This is, this is real. Okay. The, the cortisol, you know, the hormones, like all of that is real. So uh, I think I would really focus on if you can get a solid chunk of sleep somehow, you know, I think breaking it up is really difficult. If you could somehow squeeze it all together and get like, I don't know, a four hour chunk. I think they call that, exactly. what, do they, what do they call four that? Like blocks? Yeah. What do they call like block sleeping or there's some, there's yes. a term for it I've seen um, where it's really important to do that. And if you could just get that, I think you could manage with maybe sneaking in little bits of naps throughout the day on top of that, if you were allowed that, like I was so anxious to the point I couldn't even nap. Um, and, and like, I don't think I napped for like, you know, nearly a year after because my, my doctor was like, just don't do it. Just consolidate all your sleep and focus on that. Yeah. 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 Um, one of the first questions I'll ask folks, um, when they come in postpartum and if they're struggling is about their sleep. And it's like, everyone's like, yeah, yeah, of course I'm not sleeping. I have a newborn. No, but like, (laughs) actually, you know, we need, this is like so primary, it's so foundational to your wellness and mental health and your relationships. And so it really does come down to like, how can we get that consolidated four hours at least of sleep? And so that can look like different things for different people. That can look like, for me, it looked like sleeping in a different room um or having earplugs in and like an eye mask oh, yeah. on to like tune I needed all that in. too yeah yeah um you know for some people it really takes taking a look at like their sort of like nighttime routine and like sleep hygiene um it can look like really addressing like you said the guilt of like why do I need this and like why right. Um, what's wrong with me that I need this? And then I, I really love that you brought in like, no, the science behind sleep is that like if you like if you're not getting it, like you're you can literally go like have psychosis. Like this yes. is it's critical. Like this isn't like there's something wrong with you thing. This is like a this is what a human a human needs thing, you know. Um, right. Right. And so addressing that, and then and then for some people. You know, it can it can look like addressing the breastfeeding, right? Because some people feel like, well, I'm the food source throughout right. the night as well. Exactly. Um, That's you hard. mentioned, yeah, maybe totally. Pumping, like so you hard. know, pump, 
pumping so that someone else can feed the baby throughout the night. I, I think I definitely would not do exclusive breastfeeding because I just feel like yeah. I need to protect my sleep somehow. Um, and and I, I get it, you know, the moms that really want to try it. But if they cannot manage, if they're to this point where they're so tired, it may have to yeah. be an option because you have to help yourself first before you can help anyone else. Absolutely. I have another podcast episode that I'll have to link in the show notes for this one um, with my lactation consultant that's about – it's called sleep and breastfeeding. So it, it, she she really kind of okay. walks us through in that episode, okay, if I am really struggling with sleep and it's impacting my mental health and I'm also navigating being a food source, like what can this look like? Um, mm-hmm. And what I – so that's a, that's a really helpful episode for the listener if they're – if that's really a big point of, of pain or struggle for them. And then just the other point that you made here um, in terms of weaning and really getting support around that so that maybe it's not so cold turkey so that yeah. you can, um, because absolutely can weaning. And so there's, there's some, there are some situations where we, we don't have any choice, right? Right. Um, but just to know that there this, this is a big risk factor. And so if you are weaning, getting support, um, being proactive in just knowing that that can be a risk factor. So whether that's weaning gradually if you can and having support and how, what that'll look like, or if it, if it is cold turkey, because there are just situations where that's the case, right. making sure that you are being proactive about um, seeing a therapist and having right. – having that be sort of monitored. Um, you know, the whole breastfeeding thing ahead. too, I, sorry, um, I was just going to say, um, for me, the way my story played out is I think because I stopped breastfeeding too, there's another element of, I didn't worry as much about the whole, I'm taking an antidepressant and mm. I'm breastfeeding. So I think some moms may be kind of worried about that part, right? Um You know, so I, for me, it was easy because I had already stopped breastfeeding by the time I was starting my antidepressant. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, it had escalated to the point that I needed the antidepressant. So, yeah. Yeah. And that, so that was, that was where I was going to go next too. I was like, I was going to explore what that looked like for you. Because sometimes um, when the sleep deprivation, insomnia, when, when depression gets to the point where like it's impacting, yeah all of those things, um, you know, sometimes medication comes into the conversation. And I know for so many of my clients and for so many parents that, you know, broaching that can be, can bring up so much for them. And so I'd love to kind of hear from you uh, as a pharmacist, like what was that experience like for you in making that choice to, to start medication? Yeah. And so this, this, um, to me, I think also even I, um, knowing what I know about um, antidepressants as a pharmacist, I, I'd done psychiatric rotations as a student, as a resident. Um, it's weird because when you're on the, the provider side of it, I feel like I thought, I, I didn't really think about how all the side effects would apply to me and how it would actually be to be the patient taking this medication. Mm-hmm. So I really truly yeah. understand now why people can be kind of scared and wary about taking a medication. For me, um, I feel like almost because I knew about the side effects and all these things and how long it takes for it to work. Um, because I know mm-hmm. it takes four to six weeks for, for you to even feel some sort of effect for it to be effective. And that's four to six weeks at the right 
dose on the right medication. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, I might not even like this medication. I might not do well with it. Um, I might not be on the right dose. And so it, it took me a while actually to find that um, right dose and uh, medic. Well, luckily I was started on the right medication that did work for me, but I know some people are not so lucky. So I had hesitation originally on starting medication because I, I told my OB, um, who was like, I, I think you need to start something. Um, I said, you know, I, I just stopped breastfeeding. I think that as soon as I stop completely, you know, I think mm. that as soon as all the milk's gone, I really feel like this is going to resolve. I won't have mm. these issues. Um, and when it did, she, and, and, you know, I said, I know that if I take this, maybe it will co- contribute to my insomnia more. Like, I don't want it to do that. Um, mm. And I know it's going to take time. And she said, well, if it's going to take time, you probably should start now. <laughs> like, you know, you know, so you maybe it's actually better to start now because you got to titrate it and tolerate it. So, um, you know, I didn't listen. I didn't listen to her, bad patient. I, I feel like when we're the patient, it's like we're, we make the worst yeah. patients. Um, <laughs> so um, I waited like another probably mm. two weeks or so. Um, yeah. And the turning point was really like my husband asked me to take it. And he, this this guy hates doctors, hates medications. And I think to hear that request from mm-hmm. him really told me that it was serious, that something was really yeah. wrong. So um, I was like, okay, fine, I'll start it. And, you know, it's, it's, um, starting an antidepressant can be hard because it, it does sometimes affect like, you know, some other symptoms. I had, um, the, I took Zoloft, which is a very common one that women start on yeah. postpartum because, because it's one that's okay, mostly for breastfeeding too. Yes. Um, so even though I wasn't breastfeeding, that is the one I was started on. And, um, I did have a little bit of like stomach upset in the beginning. Uh-huh. Um, so it did take some time to like tolerate it and get better. I had also these really weird little like tingles through my arms. And mm-hmm. now when I think think about I, I think for me like to me that's that's my my way of thinking I think this is just the serotonin like for me I think it makes me tingly mm. so mm-hmm. um it it can be scary to start but I also think that without it I would not have found mm. I would not have gotten that energy back I think to, yes. to try yeah yeah so, so I you think, do have to put in the oh, work it doesn't it's not a cure-all but, but you need it yeah. to start. Here, here's, here's sort of how I've always sort of looked at medication when um, when it's the right fit for someone and, and is if you feel like if depression, anxiety feels like you're drowning underwater and the waves are crashing and you keep trying to get – like you, you want to get to the surface but you don't even like know how to get your head above water to let alone know how to get to shore, Right. It just feels like anytime you try to take a breath, you're just choking on more water. Like if that's what it feels like, sometimes the right medication can be exactly what you needed to get your head above water water. so that when you breathe, you're not choking on water. You're not swallowing more water. You have – you're getting oxygen. Um, That's a great, great description. And then you can have then the vit, the vit, like the actually see where short is, right? Um, and then to have the energy to get there. And so, yeah. And then how I sort of see my role as therapist is like, 
I want to swim right alongside you. Like, mm. you know, like, yes, you're, this is, this is going to be your journey. And, um, and you get, that person gets all of the credit for the journey that they're on and taking, but like, you don't have to be swimming alone. Um, and but yeah, sometimes the medication can just help you get your head above water. I think, yes. Uh, and I, and I totally feel like if it's really a, impacting your ability to function day to day. Yeah. I think in those situations it can be most um most useful. Um yeah. And you know even as a pharmacist I was scared to take it, but now I think mm-hmm. I I'm a believer that it can really make a difference and it can really help. Yeah. Um it, it kind of gives you I think it gives you the kickstart, you know. You yes. still have to put in the work. But it can kind of yeah, be like, oh my start. gosh, we just like, how do you how do you get started when like you're all and you're so fatigued and so sleep deprived and so just like, anytime you try, it just feels like we're just more water. It's like you just you're deeper underneath, yeah. you know. Like and so, um, yeah, even the, being able to see the light, you know, um, and to have that energy that kickstart back is can be a game changer. I know I've seen it. The listener, I've seen it. I've seen the clients that come in and they're just like they take the step. They come in and get mm-hmm. the support, but it's they're so it's so heavy. The depression yeah. is so heavy um, that they they sometimes do need that extra support. And then I can see like like I can viscerally feel the difference in their energy yes. when they yes. come into session. Where because you know what, it, it can it, going even further with this water metaphor. If I'm in session with someone and they're so deep underwater, it's like, you know, when you're underwater and someone's talking to you, but all you can really hear hear is like, wah, wah, wah. Like, I'm up here and you can't even like see them or hear them. That's what it can feel like and sound like. And so it's, it's, I can feel it on as, as, as therapists, right? When, when that's called for. um, And to support that metaphor. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's and, it's one that's really resonated for me too. Yeah, I think I used to think of it as like a fog, but I think mm-hmm. like lifting the fog. But uh, I like this even better, like that whole "I can't hear you <laughs> under the water" thing. It's it's great. Mm-hmm. So I know that you shared, um, you shared. You know, there there's the decision about having another child and the fears around that. And then there's that piece, and there's also the. Um, I know you and I have chatted just a little bit about the infertility piece, like when somebody's experienced any sort of infertility, that can actually be um, a risk factor um, for a variety of reasons. But one of the things that can show up there is it can keep folks from saying that I'm, that they're struggling and getting support because Mm -hmm. so much went into having this child. Um, And so I just want to sort of name that as a risk factor, but also an experience that can happen. Um, I needed so much to have this child and now to admit that I'm struggling feels like I can't, like, how could I, how could I even admit that and get support? Um, and then there's the decision to have another child if you've, if you've experienced this. So I, I'd love to maybe just hear a little bit about what this has looked like for you. Um, and, and then we can kind of wrap up. Yeah. Um, so the whole thing with infertility, um, I, um, I was told that, um, I was kind of labeled with it and, um, but before we could try any medical interventions, um, luckily, very luckily I I got pregnant naturally. So, you know, we were overjoyed. 
um, I focused very hard on the pregnancy, as I mentioned, the pregnancy and the childbirth. Um, and I think that sometimes may play a factor into people who go through infertility as well, that they're so hyper-focused on getting to the goal that they may lose sight or not really realize that on the other side of birth, there's another monster to like sort of face. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that partially that caught me off guard too. Um, mm-hmm. And the whole thing about, sometimes I feel like, you know, my little stint with infertility um, makes me, you know, feel like, okay, I just have to be grateful. You know, I already got this mm-hmm. far, you know, I should really be enjoying this. And I think that can be hard on moms where they're like, uh, oh, yeah. why am I not enjoying this? You know, this is all I ever wanted. But sometimes when you're on the other side, you're like, what did I do? Like, why did I want this? Yeah. And what, that what did we, what did we, to we a mistake. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very, mm-hmm. and, and I don't, and I think I've come, I mean, now I'm at a point where I know that this doesn't make you a bad mom. Like people, you know, moms sometimes get that way where it's like, this is hard. Your life looks very different on this side. Um, and I think instead of catastrophizing, which is what depression could do for you. Um, and anxiety. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And anxiety, both of them. Right. Um, it, you have to sort of see yourself as, you know, you, you were, you were born too. You, you have a new journey and a new um, life role to learn. So I think you have to give yourself yeah. some grace. Um, mm-hmm. And then the whole thing about decision to have another child, you know, I've been very into following some, some accounts on like only you podcast um, about, you know, mm-hmm. the whole stigma around only children um, and also mm-hmm. like why people, why people choose it. Um, and I've talked about this a lot also on my Instagram, like my whole kind of struggle going through with this. I'm actually talking to my therapist tomorrow about this. <laughs> um, and the thing I've come out with where, where people talk kind of respond or comment about, because I think a lot of people also think about these things is the, the conclusion I've come out with is the best thing you can give your child is not a sibling, but the best thing Mm. you can give them is a healthy mom. So however you can sort of, sort of do that, I think is the most important thing is you have to prioritize yourself first. And if your mental health is in that space and you can preserve it and you really in your heart truly want another child, then I think, I think you can, you'll, you'll be able to weather it. Um, you're coming, my and therapist says, you know, you're coming from experience this time, right? Yes, that's um, exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I think that right now I'm trying to actually just figure out in my heart, do I really desire another mm. child? And if I do, how do I make that work? So I think that's my first step right now. Um, yeah. Or is it just this okay. vision I've always had that I need to somehow fulfill, mm. but but is it still the vision I want or am I allowed to paint a new picture, you know? Oh, oh, so powerful. Um, and I just, I love, I love how you've framed that and that you're, you're still in it too, right? As you're kind of yeah. figuring this out for yeah. yourself. But this idea that like um, your, what your child needs more than another sibling is a healthy mom. And what, 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 what will that look like, a healthy parents? And what would that look like? for you, the listener, right? Like, and what do you need to get there? Um, And if that ends up being another child, then what do you need to support you in in navigating this um, and putting in place protective factors 
um, going, knowing that you're going into it now with so much more wisdom and awareness and experience. Um, and how can you be proactive, right? And yeah, totally. to protecting your sleep, to um, navigating the feeding journey in, an, in, an, in a new and supported way, um, to putting in place the supportive resources that you that you wish that you had when you first when you first were for postpartum, and putting that in place. Um, oh, Jasmine, thank you so much for everything that you shared with us today. Where can people find you if they? would like to connect and continue to um, learn from you and, and as you share your story and, and show up in the world as, as an advocate. Oh, thanks. Um, I think I'm most active usually on Instagram. Um, my Instagram handle is um, Pearls of Jasmine. Um, it's also the mm -hmm. name for my blog, um, pearlsofjasmine.com. Um, so if people want to sign up for emails, um, sometimes I will send out newsletters that I'm slowly starting to <laughs> kind of get together um, that I may share, you know, my journey a little bit more on the newsletters and, and like things I've learned. Um, one thing that I'm sort of planning on starting that I, I haven't completely decided the details on yet um, is that I, I really feel like I want to share some of the stories of Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders, mm -hmm. um, these mamas who might be dealing with um, postpartum mood disorders or have survived um, and, and want to share their stories because I find um, that I, I see a lot of stories and voices. Um, one of the accounts I really liked was Motherhood Understood. Um, mm. She she shares a lot of stories of moms that have gone through these, and it's so normalizing and humanizing to see and read about, like, I'm not alone in this, and because normal people have these experiences. But for me, like, scrolling through that, I didn't find a lot of um, stories. I felt like there was a scarcity of, of Asian American voices um, yeah. that I feel like there is also a cultural cultural barrier to talking about mental health that I, I want to ho hopefully see if we can unlock some of those doors. So um, hoping to share a little bit more of that soon, but um, it's just an idea yeah. I've been having and brewing for a while. Thank you for being one of those voices that is taking a step to unlock those doors and for our listeners and anyone who identifies um, and who's now hearing your voice, right? Like, thank, thank you. you so much for the vulnerability that it takes, the courage that it takes, and putting your story out there, and your willingness to set aside the boundaried time. I do not take it for granted, the, the energy um, and time that you shared with us today. And I will share links where people can find you in the show notes for the listener. You can head straight there. Again, Jasmine, thank you so much. For taking the time today. It's been so wonderful to connect with you. And I'm just, again, <laughs> so grateful. Thank you, Cassidy, for having me. I really appreciate you and look forward to continuing to connect with you online too. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when future episodes air and go and explore some of those past episodes. Maybe there's a topic in there that you've really been wanting to learn more about. You can learn more about my private practice as well as my parenting courses and workshops at the link in the show notes. You held space for yourself today. You carved out the time and you tuned into this episode. I hope you take a moment to honor how meaningful that is. Yes, to me for sure, but also for you. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.